Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope that you enjoy this podcast from Pastor Mitch Gray and we hope that it blesses you. For any more information on this sermon or any additional resources, visit us at thrivechurch.co.nz. Yeah, I love, um, I love, I love discussion. I love, um, like, being able to have, like, free, you know, that we have free speech. It's, it works well in our favor because if we weren't allowed to say what we thought, we couldn't tell people the gospel. Um, and so, you know, I love, I love free speech. I love having um, discussions or, or, or theology, Sam, and I always have um, really hilarious conversations around theology, also deep as well, but often hilarious ones where we'll throw out an idea that we don't agree with and we'll see if we can prove it. Um, it's, a, it's a good tool sometimes unless, you know, maybe don't do that. But um, I love I love it. I, I often... Well, like I love looking at our theology, what we believe. I love looking at other Christians' theology that I don't that I don't agree with. Um, seeing what they believe, I love looking at what Muslims believe, uh, what Hindus believe. Actually, I haven't ever looked at Hindus, so I don't know why I said that. That was just come, I guess, coming out of my mouth. But I, I love it. Um, you know that someone's real passionate when when you, you you give them like you bring up the topic, you say something, you mention. A specific subject, you, you know these people, and they launch into a monologue. They, they kind of you, you you give them an inch, you say something, you you, you, you whatever it is, and, and they launch into a monologue. They they just they just go for it. You, you've you would have seen people on the street like activists, or you know they're out there for Greenpeace or Peter or Safe or UNICEF or whatever that that they're out there for. You know that. You give them an inch, you smile at them, you even look in their direction. They will tell you literally everything they know about the given subject. You know, you know, you know, you know the people I'm talking about, right? Come on, you can be loud this morning, church. You know the people I'm talking about, right? Yeah, okay, thank you, thank you, that's better. I want to pre- I'm going to preach better if, you, if you're louder, all right? I'm just, tell, just letting you know. My preaching right now is dependent on your responding. It's all on you, not on me at all. All on Jesus, what a what a Christian! But you, 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 there's two reasons people do this, and um, I do this sometimes. I'm really sorry if I've ever done it to you, where you mention something and I just go on a bit of a monologue. But there's two reasons people do this. One is is they know something about the subject and they want you to think that they're really smart. I've done that. I do that often. Just being real, I, I'll know like two things about a topic and I'll make up the rest so that you believe think I'm I'm important or the second thing, and this is why I think activists and people are out on the street, is they really care about the subject. You, you bring up something and they really care about it. And, and not only that, but they think if you understood what they understood, it would change your life. They, they think if, if, if you knew what, what, this, what, what this was really about, it would, it would make an impact in your life and in others' lives. And I want to look at a scene in the Bible today where where Jesus is confronted with something and he launches into a monologue. And I, 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 I definitely believe Jesus is doing the second. He didn't need anyone to think he was smart. But we're going to, be, we're going to read a story from Luke 15. And in the, in the situation, there's, there's two, a couple of groups of people. Jesus has gathered with him some sinners and tax collectors. He's, he's got some low lives and he's got the people that own Wilson's parking in Christchurch. They're just taking everybody's money. And I'm sorry if you work for Wilson's. Um, 
Sam and I agree on that point. But, but he's gathered these people together, he's, and, he, and he's teaching them. You know, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. Back, back in, you know, 33, is that how you say it? Did you say 33? I don't know, 37, whatever. And some Pharisees, the teachers of the Lord, the, 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 these guys come up and, and, and they, they say something to Jesus and, and, he, and he launches into a monologue. He's like one of those Greenpeace activists in the story. We're going to read an entire chapter of the Bible, so brace yourselves. It's not even going to be on the screen. You're just going to have to listen to my voice if you didn't bring your Bible. So next time you come to church and I'm preaching, you're going to bring your Bible. Anyone want to use mine? I'm not actually reading from it. There you go, Matt. You can read along. I just threw a Bible. Is that allowed? All right, we're going we're gonna to read from Luke 15, starting in verse 1, going through to verse 32. You ready? You ready, church? All right. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine out in open country and go out after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls all his friends together, all his neighbors together, and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose, he keeps going, he keeps going. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls all her friends together, and friends and neighbors together, and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued. Then there was a man who there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, "Father, give me a share, my share of the estate." So he divided up his property between them. Not not long after that, the younger son got all to get, got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth and wild living. What a great euphemism there. <laughs> After he spent everything, there was a severe famine uh, that, that hit the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. This is the first ever instance of, of capitalism taking place right now. <clears throat> See, that was one of those points where I was just saying something so you thought I was smart. <laughs> Back to the Bible, back to the Bible, Mitch. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went, oh, no, that, we read that. He hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, the, to his fields to feed pigs. He, he no longer had, he, no, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods. I don't know what pods are. That the pig, are those little like Mars bar things, were eating, but no one gave them. Why are pigs eating pods? What is this? What is the story? Come on. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? 
I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Ten more, Twelve more verses. Here we go. But he, while he was a long way off, he saw his father and his father saw him and was filled for compassion with him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But, but the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what is going on. Your brother has come, he he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. And So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and, and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your wealth with prostitutes, brutal, come, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. Jesus, we just thank you for these words. Jesus, we thank you for these words that, that, that you spoke, this, this, these stories that, that you told Jesus. God, we thank you that they're so rich and full of what it is like to be in the kingdom. And God, we just, we just pray that you would bless, uh, bless every single person in this room, that you would uh, just speak life and freedom over the people here this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. When I was when I was younger, I had a, I had a bit of an, an issue that I that I had to really wrestle with. Um, see, because because like I'm an extrovert and I'm confident, and I often had like I as a young person, I'd, I I always would kind of find myself in a position of leadership, whether it was with friends and we're playing a game or whatever um I got quite used to the spotlight um I got used to being the you know the one that kind of did you know like I guess had the attention on them and in my family it's I'm the biggest extrovert in the group and and so I I didn't know how to respond how to handle when when it wasn't on me I I was uh, I used to get pretty nasty actually the worst was when it was um, my siblings' birthdays. I'm sorry, Ella, for this. Um, the amount of times that the words used were used. Well, you really ruined today, Mitch. Or Mitch, you ruined that moment. You ruined. You ruined my birthday. Ruiner. I'm just going to take a sip of water. The amount of times that was used was is not funny. The worst was when uh, my brother would get presents on his birthday, because that is, I mean, what, who would give a 10-year-old kid presents on his birthday? 
I, for some reason, could not handle it. I, I, w- I would kick up a fuss. I would have a tantrum. I'd, like, make all these issues. I would, I would do all this stuff. My, my nana, lovely lady, she would bring me a gift on my brother's birthday. Um, I know. She, she would bring me something. It was, it was small comparison to whatever he got, but, but she would bring me a gift. And, and, and you know, like, like a, a compassionate person would be like, wow, your nana's so lovely. She, she really must love you that she would bring you a present even when it wasn't your birthday. But I, I think... Um, she's a bit smarter than that. I think a wise person would be like, man, she's, she is a smart lady. She realized that if, if she bought me a present, I would, I would be quiet enough for a few minutes that she could actually have a nice moment with my brother on his birthday while she gave him a gift because my, my spotlight thing was fixed. So I didn't know how to act when I wasn't in the spotlight, when I wasn't in control, when I wasn't, when I didn't have the attention of the people around me. And I think we see the same spirit in the Pharisees. See, when Jesus is gathering these sinners and tax collectors together, he's gathering these people. He's, he's, he starts teaching them, and he's, he's teaching them about the things of God. And, and the Pharisees come along, the, these, these people who, who are the church leaders, they come along and and a bit of mocking kind of starts. They're like, oh, this Jesus, he's hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. He eats the same food as them. What is he doing? They're like, start mocking Jesus. And they're like, come on, Jesus. But Jesus, you know, being, being smart, when, when you complain to him, he doesn't hear your complaint. He hears what's really going on underneath. And, and he, he outlies the issue with his response, but it's just as if he realized they're saying, hey, why is this man of God, I don't know whether he's the Messiah or a prophet, just a rabbi, he knows something that we don't know. Why is this man of God teaching these sinners and tax collectors when we've spent our whole lives serving God? We've, we've given 10% of everything. We, we do it with little measurements and we, we, we give all of, all of our seeds, all of every, everything we give to God and, and we We've grown up in church. I can tell you all five, the first five books of the Bible back to back. I can read them off the top of my head. I can do that. Uh, like we, we do everything for God. We, we're in pursuit of God. And, and he sees the jealousy. What I, I want to preach on the idea, if you're taking notes, you can write this at the top. What to do when the attention is not on your life. What to do when the spotlight is not on your life. What to do when the attention is not on your life. Jesus, in these stories, he's good because he addresses so many things. Uh, The reason he always taught in stories was because he he, he knew if he he just told them, hey, you guys being jealous and this is the issue. Then, then that would be the only point he could make. But he would he would use stories because stories have layers like onions, and and Shrek, and oh yeah, donkey, whatever. That's the one. And and he speaks of how God loves the one. In, in these stories, he, he speaks about how 
God, God leaves everything to find the one, how God, God does everything for the one lost person. And, and I want to tell you that if you, you're here this morning and, and that's you, you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you, you don't know that He loves you, you haven't uh, been found, then later I want to give you an opportunity. We, we use this so much we, we, in, in everything we do. Um, and all of our teams here, we use this filter of this of these stories to to gauge hey this thing that we might do whether whether it be to do with lighting or host team or whatever we go how would this affect either positively or negatively that one that is in the room that that might say yes to Jesus this morning we 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 love this as a church we we love these stories and. But I think because of our, here's another smart thing, because of our postmodern individualistic worldview that we, that we have, this lens that we read stories through, we always see ourselves as the one. We always see ourselves as that one lost sheep, that one lost coin, that one lost son who, who Jesus rescued. And it's true, if you're here this morning and you've made a decision for Jesus, there have been times or many times, as Pastor Glenn was saying earlier, where you have been lost and he has found you. Come on, somebody, let's give God some praise in this place. That It doesn't matter how far you are. It doesn't matter how, how distant you can become. He will always find you, always chase you down. Down. He will always pursue you. We, that is true. But when you, when you read it from the perspective of a first century dude or, or, or gal, I don't know why he used dude or gal. That was a weird, that was weird. When you read it from the perspective of someone in the first century, when you hear the story, it's much easier because they, they were more collective in their thinking to imagine yourself as the 99. And I, and I, I think this is one of the things Jesus is addressing in these stories because here's the progression. It says the, the tax collectors and sinners come to him and, and they're muttering and they, they say to one another, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them and... And the next verse is, then Jesus told them this parable. He told them, the Pharisees. He told the, these guys who, who are mocking him, who are, he's addressing them. Yes, he, I believe he's telling them what the kingdom is like. And I'm not disagreeing with that. I still believe all the other things that are told in the story. But... In, in theology, there's an idea, um, Sam, Sam could tell you about it way better than I can, but there's this idea that when God wants to highlight a topic, he uses, uh, he'll, he'll use threes in Scripture. So when, um, you know, like an example of it would be faith, hope, and love. He, he pairs things in threes. It's part of the poetic nature of the languages that, that, the, that the Scriptures were written in. Uh, when God wants to highlight an idea, He will use threes. He'll, he'll, take, he'll say the same word or, or the same story in three different ways, and in each, and in each instance, He'll bring out a different facet of, of, of the idea. And we see this, in Jesus' monologue, we, 
we see he tells the same story. There is the God archetype in, in each story. There's the shepherd, the woman, just because he's, he's breaking all their barriers about who God is. And there's the father. So there's the shepherd, the woman, and the father who are God, the God archetype in, in these stories. And, and in each story, they, they put their attention on an item that is lost. And when, when that thing is lost, is a bit, when they find the thing that was lost, there is public celebration, public attention, public um, appreciation of that thing that is placed on it. But, but in each story, there is the other. In each story, there's the other 99 sheep. There's the other nine coins. There's the other son. I think when Jesus is addressing the, the Pharisees, he, he's trying to say, hey, look, I know that for, for a lot of your life you've been in the, in the attention, but you've got to realize that in some stories you're going to be the other. In some stories you might be the main character, but you're not always going to be. There, there will be stories in your life, situations in your life where you're called to be the other. And it's not a bad thing. But it's something you've got to realize. And, and, and I believe he actually not only tells them, he doesn't just highlight the issue. He doesn't just point it in their face be like, nah, 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 nah. God's going to celebrate the other person. Suck on you. But he actually reveals some incredible um, insight as to what to do in these situations. What to do when the attention is not on your life. I believe in the first story, he, he reveals them the, the, the what, the, the actual behavior that they need to adopt to, to, in, in this season. In the second story, I believe he addresses who they are in this situation. He actually gives them an insight into their, into, into their um, who, who they are in this season. And in the third, this third story, he highlights where God is in this season. And I think this is important. This is why I think we need this. Because we love the idea of revival. Don't we? Like, we love, yeah? You, you like the idea of revival? We love, we love when Pastor Glenn gets up and, and speaks about the fact that he's got a, a dream and a vision. On this church, there is a dream and a vision to see 10,000 people impacted by the love of God. We've got this uh, series coming up, Light It Up, where, where we want to bring people from the community into church so that God can touch their lives and they can be equipped and powered. We, we're, we're on the same page. You, you want to see Rangiora changed? But have you thought about the fact that might mean you don't get that one-on-one -on -one meeting every second week with a pastor or, or, or maybe you don't get to go to life group because your life group's too big and you actually need to lead a life group. Or maybe you don't get to come to church every second or third week because you've got to come to church every other week and serve in the kids' ministry so that the new families that are coming in are, are actually getting, uh, get, getting to be in church. They're actually getting to be in the room. And, you, and you're looking after their kids, making sure their kids love church as well. Or maybe, oh, maybe some overzealous Christian, whew, you show up 10 minutes late to church like you always do, you show up 10 minutes late to church, Pastor Glenn's just walked up and, and you, you go to walk in, you see this overzealous Christian who showed up 
early to church. Early. What? Nobody shows up early. Nobody knows what the start of the countdown video looks like. There's this photo of me going like this. So that if you ever see it, you're like, whoa, what is going on? Nobody shows up early to church. It's right on time. We're in the first 45 minutes after church starts. And so you show up to church and this overzealous, brand new Christian, two weeks old in the faith. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's walked up and he's sitting in your seat that you've been in for the last 10 years. You're furious. This is why we need this. Because there are going to be stories in your life where you're the other. There are going to be stories in your life where you're not the main thing. There are going to be stories in my life when I'm not the other, where, where I've got to serve people. I was talking with Jack uh, yesterday, and he, he told me something, and I, I, I wish every single person would adopt this. He said, I'm in church to serve Pastor Glenn and Pastor Debbie. I, if they want me to lead, um, if they want me to be up the front and do stuff, I will do that. If they want me to lead envision uh, and, and lead the intermediates, I will do that. I will just, I want to serve whatever they, they're doing. If you show up to church with that heart, man, you're going to go far. So in this first story, Jesus outlines what to do. He, he, he gives us the practical tools. He addresses the behavior, what it looks like when you're in this situation. If you think about it logically, not spiritually or anything like that, I'm not using a prophetic, um, you know, like colors or anything. I'm just thinking about this logically. What is the story about? There is 100 sheep. One sheep leaves, then there are... Oh, listen to all the mathematicians in the room. Make it past year one mess right there. <laughs> There's 99 sheep. And, and, and so the shepherd then leaves. What, what are the sheep missing? A shepherd. The sheep are missing a shepherd. Okay, let's think back a couple hundred years because we, we don't have shepherds anymore. We have farmers and they do different things like breaking cows and that kind of stuff. I don't know what they do. I, do I look like I belong on a farm? Come on. <laughs> A shepherd would have two key roles. This is what I thought of. They would make sure that the, the sheep, is it a flock? A flock of sheep or a herd? A flock. They would make sure that the flock of sheep would have food and water. They would lead them to food and water. And they would keep the sheep together. We see that is important to them because he, when one goes missing, the shepherd leaves to find the other. So they would keep them fed and, and keep them uh, having, having nutrients and they would keep them connected. See, in these seasons where you're the other, you've got to keep yourself being fed because there's no shepherd to do it. You've got to keep yourself fed. You've got to get into the Word at home. You can't show up to church and expect that to be your weekly encounter with God every second week, I might add. You, you can't do that. You've, you're in these situations, you've got to get yourself in the presence of God. You've got to be praying. Whew. You've got to be praying about situations. You've got, to, you, you've got to actually read the Bible, not throw it at the front row. You've got to read the Bible, maybe even a whole chapter at once. Whew. Not just your favorite three verses. You've got to keep yourself fed. You've got to experience the presence of God. 
If you love um, experiences where God comes and, and, and you spend three hours um, in the presence of God and He speaks to you, you've got to do that at home. We don't have time for that at church. We've got to make sure that we're looking after the one, that the one person comes in and they're not like, what is going on up the front there? What is that person doing? You've got to get in the presence of God at home and you've got to get connected. You can't let look, you can't expect if, if 100 people came in, let's be real, we will do our best job. But if 100 people came into our church, got saved next week, we're, we're going to be swamped. We would be literally swamped. We wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. And you would actually have to make sure that you were keeping yourself connected to this, to this group of people, that you weren't wandering off and leaving the 99, that you actually stayed a part of this. And so Jesus is saying, when you find yourself in a situation where you're the other, you've got to make sure that you're, you're getting fed, you're experiencing the presence of God, and you've got to make sure that you're staying connected. Number two, he, I, I believe he addresses um, who we are. It's so simple. He, I, I was thinking about God, what is the significance of coins? Why would you use coins? You used, Jesus, you used like a sheep and a person and the other two in the other two stories you used living beings that we could kind of relate to what is what does a coin have and I, the only thing i could think of is a coin has value there is no difference between the value of the lost coin or the coins that are sitting on the table there's there's no change in value there's no more value on on the coin that is lost that's got the attention the value doesn't change and church you need to know today that your value doesn't change whether you're the the main character whether you're the the supporting character or you're the other who's on the other side of the fence your value is the same it is set by Jesus and nobody else can change it no situation can change it Nothing can change it. So number one, he, he gives us an, an, an insight as to what to do, how to behave. We need to keep get fed, stay connected. Number two, he, he, he tells you who you are. You are valuable. You're worth something. And, and it's not going to change. You, you can't, it can't be changed. And number three, he shows us where God is. And I could try to preach this, but I believe Jesus says it so beautifully in the story where in the words of the Father, he, he, see, he reads this in verse 31. My son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. When you find yourself in a situation where you're the other, when there's no attention on your life, when, when there's not, when, when, when you're not the main character in a story, you've got to know that God is with you but not only that, you're with him. It's, it's a two-way thing. If you read earlier in the story, it says that he, 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 gave, he divided the inheritance between them. Do you realize that means that the older son, the other son got some inheritance at that same point in time? He got the same deal the other guy got. I was always with you and everything I have is yours. My resources, my hope, my peace. My joy, that is yours. You, can, you have access to that in this season. Number one, he, he tells us what to do. You've got to stay fed. You've got to stay connected. Number two, he tells us who we are. You've you got to know that you're valuable. And number three, 
He is with you. God is with you in this season. God is with you in the circumstance where it feels like you're alone, where it feels like you're the other in the story. God is with you. For any more information on this sermon or any additional resources, visit us at thrivechurch.co.nz.